Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me we got Freddy. Spoopy boys, always staying spoopy. Whoop, whoop. David is actually going to take a little bit of a break because it's not really a break for him, but sucks to be him right now because he has to do homework because finals and shit. Uh, but no, David, we are thinking about you during this time, man. So uh, go ahead and do your homework. Do what you got to do. Finals are important. We totally get it. Uh, so David's going to be off the uh, show for about two to three episodes. Um, but yeah, we'll be very happy to have him back once he's done. But we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to discuss and break down the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. Now with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, before we actually continue this really quick here, a very quick announcement. We are in the middle of this month in December, um, but I just want everyone to know to keep a very close eye on my personal Twitter at the head night with a K um, because I will be doing a pretty large semi announcement um, with uh, what we're going to be doing with our Patreon for 2021. We've been getting a lot of messages lately and this is something that we found to be uh, probably the best solution as of right now for us. Uh, so Please stay tuned on that. Uh, we, we are extremely busy, and I apologize profusely uh, for not returning some of your guys' messages. I do see them. Please don't hate me. I see them. I'm, I'm, I try my best to acknowledge them as much as I possibly can. Um, but we will have something for all the people who have been reaching out. Um, you probably know who you are, um, but we will have, make an announcement extremely soon so be keeping a close eye as to what that announcement will be but to continue things going with our isolation horror month no one can hear you ah i still get chills from that so name good. i'm not gonna lie yeah it's so good <laughs> i'm not gonna lie but to continue things going this was this was one that i kind of had in the air right we, we were kind of talking right. about that earlier but um keeping things going with the lodge First and foremost, Freddie, thoughts? Well, I gotta say, this is my second time watching it, and I still really, really, really oh, yeah, like mine too, this actually. movie. Yeah. Um, I saw this probably <sighs> pretty early on this year. Uh, this was during mm -hmm. the lockdown days. Uh, me and my roommate saw it. I was like in the middle of the night, and we were hearing noises while watching this in our hallways. Uh, this movie kept us on edge, to say the least. That it kind of like <laughs> transcended the screen and into our home. And we were like, what was that? I don't know. What was that? And the, thing <laughs> is like, the nice thing about this movie, it keeps you guessing on what kind of movie this is. At right. first, we thought this was like a paranormal movie. It's like, okay. We're it feels like haunts that. And some scares. And they kind of lead on that too a lot in this movie. Because there's yeah. a lot of like things with like death. Uh, obviously, one of the characters. Purgatory. Pretty earlier on, kind of bites it, but we'll talk about it. 
Um, but I have to say, this is a really, really well shot movie. It's gorgeous. It's to beautiful. Look at. And I it's think beautiful. It feels like it's A24, right? Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. <laughs> and this time rewatching it, I appreciated the film work more than just like going through and watching the story play out because now I know how it plays out. So I yeah. paid attention to the score, the cinematography, uh, just the types of shots they do. It's really, really creative in a way. And I would say like in like all of these podcasts is that a director puts the camera where he wants it to have a purpose. And they do such a good job at that in this movie. So I have nothing but love for this movie. And I'll say this though, it's not an enjoyable movie for me. If that makes sense. That's fair. But it's a really, really good movie. This is very somber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, man. Like I, I definitely see what you mean on this, not being like an enjoyable movie. Like this movie by no means is, I guess, considered fun. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have a good time watching this movie. I like this movie. I, I do. I do like this movie. I'm not in love with this movie. I I, right. I I do have my little gripes with it for sure. I'm not in love with it, but it is a fun watch. Well, fun. Uh, I'm using the wrong word. Uh, it, it isn't. It is a an intriguing watch. Like I, I do have a good time watching it, but initially, it does feel like it plays off the vibes of hereditary and and uh it, it, i don't know it just feels like it, it's it's taking a little bit of of everything you got heaven's gate you got hereditary you got you got um just kind of a little bit of everything but this movie is kind of a, a interesting social commentary right like yeah. i mean it's it's such a fascinating thought on the whole dwelling on religion for so long to the point of where it becomes toxic Mm. or it's, I don't know. I, I, I've always found that fascinating, but even with like, um, Grace's character in general, like she's, she's a very intriguing character. Um, and I mean, I, I, who, who's to say much about Richard? I mean, Richard's kind of sick, I guess in a way for, for doing that. But at at the same time, like, you know, love is love, I guess. But, they've never felt like they loved each other to me personally. Yeah. Or at least she didn't love him. Like, like if didn't feel that way to me, but, um, but initially she was trying to do this for him when deep down inside, she looked like she did not want to be there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I feel like she was like, I'm stuck here with these fucking kids. Yeah, it's, it's a weird relationship between all of them, to be honest. And, yeah. You can kind of see where like the kids are coming from, but then at the same time you don't see where the kids are coming from because of the actions they do are very extreme. Yeah. Like, damn. Right. Why? It's like hot and cold with these kids. And then that's that's what I'm thinking where I was just like, you know, because the second time around, I fucking hated those kids. Like when I oh, first watched sure. it, I felt so much empathy for them. Like their mom died and and when I'm, I do remember watching this, this was actually the last movie I watched in theaters before quarantine. And yeah. w- when it, theater was completely empty too, when I went in there. So that was pretty great. But yeah, I had so much empathy for these kids and watching it this second time around, I forgot a lot first, first of all, but watching it the second time, I was just like, yo, fuck these kids. Bro. These kids are insane. Like, They're bro, insane. What the fuck? Like, like you know, I, I, like I get it. Yeah, I get it. 
you know, yeah. you lost a parent. Like I, 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 uh, I don't understand that, but I, I get it. But you know, lose, you lost a parent in a, a very, very horrible way. I've lost people that way as well. But you know, it, it's, it didn't seem warranted for them to act that way because they literally like, like could have killed someone. Oh, I mean, indirectly, they they turned off the power. Right. I mean, they did. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they turned off the power and and they didn't have running water. Like these kids were eating food and shit. And and like poor grace is fucking over here. Probably starving, eating cans of beans. Yeah, they, <laughs> like beans and saltine crackers. Like, like what the fuck, man? Literally <laughs> torture. It was literally torture, torture. Seriously. And you get yeah. the reason, like you said, uh, you lost a parent. Um, you have someone to blame as well, because obviously right. they blame her for everything. And it, which also is bullshit to like, me. But yeah. okay, you could definitely mess with that person. Sure, why not? But <laughs> they take it to a whole different level. Um, and they're. Uh, it's like. You can't say that they're not smart kids because they planned all of this out and it's very detailed Dude. and very, I don't know. It's crazy to even think about like the amount of effort they put into this plan and Dude. see how it all plays out. And you're just like, these kids are fucked up. Like, <laughs> you got problems. They thought that shit through. They thought that through. And it, uh, it's kind of disgusting. <laughs> like, oh, it's sure. just disgusting to think about these fucking asshole children anyway let's go ahead and jump into the plot the lodge directed by veronica franz and severine fiala uh I, I, severin that sounds severin. that sounds, sounds more right. correct severin fiala released february 7th 2020 runtime of one hour and 48 minutes uh, i couldn't find a budget for this but a box office of 3.2 million dollars in a rating of 74 percent on rotten tomatoes which yeah. To me, feels fair. Yeah, that's pretty fair like, to me too. Yeah, I, I feel like that that was warranted enough to for it to get a score like that. Um, this is our second movie that we have with Riley Keough as well. Um, is it Keough or is it Co? Keo? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the, I don't. I, I don't really know how to pronounce her last name, but I think it's Keo. But this is our second movie that we watched with her, literally back to back. And to be honest. I feel like she doesn't get enough love. True. Like she's she's yeah. in a lot of stuff. She is in a lot of movies and in a lot of like really good movies, but I feel like people don't talk about her enough. Like she's fucking good. Like <laughs> she's oh, yeah. good. No, she's she's really spot on in her acting. Um there's a lot of emotions without her even saying anything that you could just tell off yeah. her face and mannerisms. So kudos right. to her. Yeah. You know she's Elvis Presley's uh granddaughter, right? No, I did not. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, she's Elvis Presley's granddaughter. But yeah, she's in Mad Max. She's in uh, It Comes at Night. She's right. in American Honey. She, I just feel like we don't hear a lot about her. She's also in that new movie, um, The Devil All the Time. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, she was also in Logan Lucky, Under the Silver Lake. She was the main girl in Under the Silver Lake, which she was also really good in. Um, but yet, I feel like we hear nothing about it's her true. like really like like I, I don't hear her name come up in conversations but i feel like it should because she's she's fucking good yeah but whatever we'll see what the future uh, holds for her 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, shit. She's getting some great roles. Like, it's oh, not like sure. she yeah. she ain't hungry. You know what I'm saying? So she she eating. So and, and she can hold <laughs> her own. I just feel like people ain't enjoying her desserts. Right. She can carry a movie, which is important. And I think something exactly. like The Lodge really shines that on her. And which I feel bad because they only got like 3.2 million at the box office, which means not a lot of people saw it. Uh, and I feel like this movie is a really good movie to study as like a film lover as well because they do a lot of great craftsmanship in this film. And yeah. her performance well, is pretty I mean, spot on. Yeah, it, it is. It, and I feel like it's really good. I, it's believable. Like, I believe her performance. Oh, for sure. And I think, though, as well, just for us to like give it some type of credit, I mean, they did release this a month before pretty much the whole country That's of the true. United States shut down. That's fair. Then the world shut down initially. So I, I feel like for them, they just kind of had the shit into the stick of release. I mean, they already had a pretty poor release window in, in general with February when this movie definitely would have probably been a good Christmas film. But, yeah, we open to a cold looking dollhouse and we already get the vibes of hereditary from this. But we can hear a faint voice of a woman calling for Mia and Aiden. The, the camera slowly pans through the dollhouse, the real house, an image of Mary hanging up on the wall, a loaded revolver on a table. We still hear the voiceover now clear, clearly of the woman calling for the two others, telling them that they have to go. We see the mother, Laura, peeking through the window um, of the dollhouse and transitioning to her picking up a toy off the ground, calling for her daughter, Mia. The title card appears while Laura continues down the hall of the house, calling for the kids. Now, I would have loved it if the title card would have became came in after the incident. I feel like that yeah. would have been more of a like, oh, fuck, what right. is this movie <laughs> versus oh, my God. it happening right here? Like, I just feel like that would have been I'm just a little bit more of the icing on the cake. <laughs> a little bit cheesy, but it's like the blood splatter just turns into the lodge or something like that. I don't know. That's a little too oh, cheesy. Oh, that would have been interesting. But that would have been that would have been like early 2000s The Lodge. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I do have to say, though, right from the opening shots, the tracking shot of The Lodge, and it sets the stage Beautiful. of the eeriness. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. Cinematography is on point. And there's some yeah. great framing shots immediately, immediately in this movie, too. Dude. And I'm like, dude, it, it, it's insane. Yeah. Like, and that's why I'm saying, like, you really get those vibes of uh, hereditary in this. Yes. Like, quite a bit. You get the camera yeah. dead center in the middle. You have, like, two walls on either side. It's evenly spaced out. And you see the character in the middle. And then you get these tracking shots throughout the house. It's like, damn. Watching this a second time, it's like, I appreciate the artwork in this movie. And I love it. Same. Yeah, yeah. No, watching it the second go, I was just like, okay, I see it. This is, this movie's right. gorgeous. This movie's fucking gorgeous. Uh, jump to her fixing up her eyelashes and bursting into silent sobs. We jump to the single mother and her two kids in the car driving. Mia is showing Aiden her doll and she tells him to shake her hand. He breaks it and she puts it back, uh, back joking around with him as he returns the jokes back towards her. And it's kind of cute, their relationship. Like they actually seem like they love each other. When I feel like uh, during those times, you usually get the opposite where like brother and sister, especially teenage brother and a younger sister or younger sibling in general, they're always fighting. Always. I mean, yeah, because I I mean, granted, you probably have a fantastic relationship with your sister, but Uh, yeah, initially for sure. Yeah. Now you yeah. have a, you have a good relationship with your sister. Yeah, <laughs> when we were kids, obviously, uh, but initially, yeah, 
Right. As as kids, you guys probably got on each other's fucking nerves. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I believe it. <coughs> oh, God. Spit wrong pipe. Wrong. Nah, we're back. Laura puts on... <laughs> uh, <laughs> they pull up to... Uh, oh, wait. Hold on. Uh... Excuse me. Yeah, Laura puts on lipstick and Mia is watching her with concern, asking if she is going to be there. She in air quotes. She tells Mia that she isn't and Mia gives off a slur towards the opposite woman. And I'm not going to name the slur. And I genuinely want them to stop doing this in fucking movies. Stop using this word. Stop using the R word, everybody. Please, like, stop putting this in movies. Like, it's not. It's unnecessary. It's. It's, it's completely needed. unnecessary. Definitely. Not. Like she didn't have to say any of that. I would have yeah. I would have been more happy if she would have just said bitch. Like yeah. like t- come on. Like the, that that R word just let's fucking stop. Like this is this is not come on. <laughs> it's not yeah, cool. There's no anyway. reason for it. There's no impact it's, for it's it. It's zero. It's zero, it, yeah. it, and it it wasn't impactful. It just it just kind of made me hate the kids even more. Like right. just <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, they pull up to their dad's house. Laura notices a woman upstairs through the window, but the woman leaves. Their dad, Richard, opens the door with a smile, asking, uh, "What took them so long?" Mia runs up to him and she hugs him while she while he picks her up. He gives his son um, a hug as well, then hands Mia some money, telling her and Aiden to run along to get some candy while they. While he talks to their mother. And uh, interesting. Like, it's just kind of one of those, hey, I need to talk to you right. moment that is just like, oh, fuck. Feels a little you know, forced. You know, kinda... like, how about let's just drop the kids off and I'll, I'll leave. Like, <laughs> right. I don't want to talk. <laughs> oh, man. She, she stops them asking them what's happening and Mia tells her, uh, quote unquote, candy. Uh, Laura gives off. Uh, Often and uh, Mia lists off the things that they are not allowed to have, and then they are off. Um, and then it sounded, didn't sound like you were getting candy with all the things you listed that you can't have. It was like, can't have high cor- corn fructose, corn syrup, and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, that's like, candy. No food coloring, no nothing. It's like, okay, yeah, so, you're, like you're, you're, you're so you water. literally can't have candy. Yeah, you're getting nothing. W- what are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> you're going to get air? <laughs> um, Essentially, Laura comes up the stairs and uh, asks if she needs a hand or and, and he asks if she needs a hand, uh, but she ignores him. She just takes brings it in herself. Uh, they go into the kitchen and she is still hesitant with his question and comments. He tells her that she isn't there, then compliments how uh, how she looks while p- making some seltzer. He asks her if she would like some tea or coffee and Laura smiles, telling him that she would like to take some coffee. While he is making the coffee, she reminds him um, that he uh, wanted to talk to her. He tells her that she that he wants to finalize the divorce. Super, just straight to the point. Just like, like yeah, I think we should finalize the divorce. So harsh. <laughs> While taking a gulp of the seltzer. Super harsh. Super harsh. And it's just, damn. Like, I mean, obviously, she went there thinking that maybe she would have an opportunity again, I guess, to win her husband back. And it's just, Mm. it's fucked up. You think so? It is fucked up. You think she thinks she had another opportunity with him? No, I don't think in that moment, but I think she wants to. 
Okay. I, I think yeah, she yeah. definitely, she did not want a divorce, obviously. Yes. She's um, not over the relationship she, for sure. Not at all. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if she more so thought about herself in that moment versus her children. Um, but I mean, Hey, depression makes people do some fucking crazy things. So, yeah. Yeah. Laura's face droops with shock and dread, and he lets out that him and Grace are going to get married in September. And he's like, oh, not uh, not the time to say this, probably. But it's like, I, I feel like at that point, I would have just probably sent her a subpoena. It, like, <laughs> like, uh, like uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this face to face. I'm just going to go ahead and serve you a subpoena that you got a court order and you need to sign them papers. <laughs> He smiles, letting off a slight chuckle, and she returns a fake smile, then storms out of the room, slamming the door. Damn. What a fucking reaction. And, dude, yeah. uh, Robin Turney, she's fantastic. I think that's Robin Turney. Um, she's also fantastic. Uh, let me double check that. Cause let me fact check myself here. Uh, da, 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 da. That is... I was completely off. I always get them mixed up. Alicia Silverstone. Um, oh, damn. Yeah, I always get them mixed up. I don't know why. Yeah, Alicia Silverstone. So, yeah. So it's just like, okay. Like, Alicia Silverstone acted her fucking ass off for this time. It's just, I I would love to see her in more stuff. It's it's funny because I feel like in recent times, she's only been picking roles that are like very short-lived in movies. Because even the more recent movie from A24 that we're talking about it earlier... Um, the killing of a sacred deer. She's barely in that too, and she actually kills it in that role too. Hmm. Very interesting. I mean, she's good and clueless. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she's good and clueless, right? Uh, she actually does play in a very interesting movie. Uh, I want to say it's another horror film. I, I think it's her. No, I don't think that's her. Actually, um, yeah, I don't think that's her because. Once again, yeah, it's Jennifer Tully because I I always get the mix up because I I always get Clueless and The Craft like thinking that Alicia Silverstone was also mm. in The Craft, but She's that not is it. totally Robin Turney. Yeah, <laughs> like I say, damn it. During this whole entire conversation that we're having, there's a good use of tension too because we get a lot of uh, sensory overload too. We get cuts oh, of like yeah. the water. We hear the seltzer going up. Uh, you see pretty much the girl walking out, sneaking out on the back and stuff like that. We like see, yeah. There's a lot going feel, on. Hear everything going on too, and yeah. you get these great slow zooming shots of them too, getting closer and closer, building that tension too, where it just zooms into right. the guy's character and then it zooms into her character, and it's very interesting. So, well crafted for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, completely agree. He calls for her, but we are left with the fizzing from the tablet reacting to the liquid. Cut to Laura organizing some books on a coffee table before heading into the di- into her dining room. She sits down, pours a bottle of wine into a glass, and takes a couple of sips. She takes off her necklace, gently sit- sitting it on the table, and goes into her purse. Brace yourself, everybody. By the way, we are, if you didn't hear the warning in the beginning of this episode, this is your second warning. Please, by any means, if this is something that you know you're you're not uncomfortable with, our listenership is not worth your mental. So, by all means, take care of yourself. Right. She pulls out a gun, and she immediately shoots herself in the mouth, killing herself instantly. 
Fuck. Dude, huge emotional impact in wow. this scene. Um, wow. And you, 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 you uh, man, it's, it's even tough talking about because it is a very surreal scene, especially seeing it the first time, not knowing what was going to happen because it happens out of yeah. nowhere and it happens very fast. You just see yeah. her sit down, pours wine, sips it, takes her necklace off, the pan, uh, the camera pans closer to her purse, and you just see the gun immediately, and right then and there, she kills herself. No time to react. It's just done. So, yep. man, yeah. Fucking Even wild. me talking about it right now, it's kind of hard to talk about, because it is. it's it's such an impactful scene, and it really sets the stage of like the rest of the movie and where it's going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's it's traumatizing. That's the only way I can put it. Oh, it's traumatizing. 100%. Yeah. We jump through multiple rooms within the house and leave and uh, leaving on the dolls on the floor in the dollhouse while the radio continues going over the forecast. Transition to Mia holding a doll that resembles her mother, crying at her mother's funeral. Aiden grabs her hand to comfort her while their dad sits next to them, listening to the priest speak on death being a new beginning and to let them pray for her soul. They are all outside with a group of people holding balloons over their head, uh, over their heads while the bells chime and they all let them go at the same time, except for Mia. She kisses her doll and tries to let, uh, let it float above them, but it falls to the ground. And, and it, in the beginning, when I first saw this, I was like, oh shit. But the second time I watched it, God damn it. it I kind of thought it was funny. Because <laughs> oh, no. I was like, oh, oh, like, oh man, it didn't fly. Like, how embarrassing. Like, <laughs> but no, like, it, it, no, but I, but like, it, you could tell in this movie there is a lot of uh, religious aspects immediately. Oh, um, yeah. Even like where the, the blood splatter is. ends up, you see a little zoom in shot and you see the cross right there. The cross right and next then to it goes to her. Well, we'll talk about the next scene, but she specifically says, oh, she can't go to heaven. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like their uh, symbolism of her trying to have her doll, which is representing her mom, to go up in the sky, and it just drops down. So she's not allowed to go right. up. She's not like, allowed to Damn, go. Damn, that's a lot mm-hmm. of like well-written dialogue, and or not even dialogue, it's just well-written scene that transitions yeah. to why that happened, in a way. So I was like, yeah. damn. Yeah. And I and I love that you said that because that that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, mm. it, it it was her trying to ascend her mom into heaven or um whatever the Let case may go, be because I mean exactly. Yeah. And I mean that's one of the 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill, right? right? So initially with that, I mean, you have no no opportunity to repent or whatever uh when you take your own life. So therefore, you already just committed one of the, the an ultimate sin or whatever. So it, it's, it's interesting. And it, I actually love that you said that. Cause that's a great way to, uh, metaphorically view that. Absolutely. We get a long shot of the cross that is above them. Then we cut to Mia crying in bed about her mom, not being able to go to heaven, telling her dad that he doesn't understand. Aiden is at the door crying, listening to them. And Richard tells Mia to listen to him, telling her that nobody knows where they go. Um, and that her mom wouldn't want her to cry. And, and I was even thinking like, damn, that's not the fucking right thing to say right now. Right. Like, His bedside man. Be like, so bad. 
Right, exactly. It's just like, eh, all right, you're doing you're doing a bad job. Get out of here. Mia pushes him off of her, sobbing that he doesn't understand and to go away. He gets up, pats his son's shoulder, and they both leave out of the room, closing the door behind them. Mia continues to sob, but Aiden comes back into the room with a blanket and his pillow. He throws the linen on the ground and then lies down next to her, extending his hand out for her. The camera slowly pans towards her dollhouse with their figurines all kneeling in front of the miniature uh, religious painting. And I even put here that these scenes always kind of get to me, but after seeing like how hard Tony Collette goes in Hereditary, right? Bars are just set way too high for me when people cry in movies now, <laughs> where I'm just like, like, oh, you know, but Tony Collette like did it better, like yeah. did it better, like, like I don't mean to be an asshole, but. <laughs> But like it just it, it makes it a little hard for me because that just that my mind always jumps back to Tony Collette right in Hereditary. I'll say this at least for Initially. like uh, kid actors, they definitely did a. Oh well, no, this is fantastic! Yeah, they did a good job with yeah. the casting for sure. Yeah, no, she, they're both they did great. great. I mean, Jaden Martell did fantastic. Right. Um, this girl, I, I think her name is uh, her name is actually really close to her real her name in the movie. It's like I think it's like Leah or something instead of Mia. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, because uh, even shit, that's actually weird. Now that I think about it, all their names are similar to each other. Like Jaden, his name in this movie is Aiden. Yeah, and I think I think her name's Leah, and her name's Mia, and Richard Richard Armitage. That's his real name in real life. He's just Richard. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. All right. We broke the case, everybody. <laughs> Fades to dolls sitting at a dinner table with a plastic chicken on the table and an indistinct children laughter in the background, which seemed oddly placed for some reason to me. Six months has passed and Richard tells Aiden to hold on before he goes inside the house. He calls for Mia and she, uh, when she co- comes, when she Oh, excuse me. He calls for Mia. She comes to sit down. He tells them that Grace will be coming over soon, and he wanted to talk to them about something. He asks how would they feel if they go to the mountains again for Christmas. Aiden uh, questions that he thought he was working, and Richard claims that he is, and he will drop them off after school is out, and then come back up on Christmas Day. I would have said no. Like, like because of that alone, I would have just been like, ah, uh, no. Yeah, because exactly. I like what the fuck no i would much rather spend christmas with my dad instead of a stranger that i never met like <laughs> or that i met a couple of times like right i don't and probably do is that. the main reason why my ex-wife did what she did right like exactly on, do you not see what's happening in the room like read the room yeah read it read it Aiden asks if they are going to uh, be alone he tells Aiden that they aren't going to be and that he will ask Grace if she if she would like to come with them so they can get to uh, know her a little better. Aiden, angered and, and annoyed, tells his dad no. Richard asks him why, and Aiden tells him that he isn't going anywhere with her, especially on Christmas, calling his dad crazy. He tells Aiden that Grace is part of their lives and uh, that is about... Uh, that is about time that they they got to know her. Aiden asks, what, what does he mean? Richard exposes um, that he is going to marry her. Aiden looks like he is going to just burst out into tears and whispers uh, that it is all her fault. Richard asks, what's her fault? And Aiden asks him, what does he mean? And he and as if he doesn't understand his question, he asks Aiden if he is referring to his mother's death. And Aiden tells him that uh, he left mom for a psychopath. Richard questions him and asks him who told him that, and Aiden smartly rebuttals, asking him 
asking um, if she is in his books. Mm. And this is a great little uh, little exposition, right? right. Where you, we now see like a little bit of what Richard does. He writes about cults initially or well, at this time, we don't know yet. But uh, in the beginning, we assume that like, oh, maybe he's a psychologist or something like that. So it really kind of gets your gears going on what Richard does initially. Right. And how they got connected so, in the first place. This mystery yeah. woman. Yeah. Right. How do you think they got like actually like introduced? I think it was an interview. I think it was an interview too. I think it was an interview to yeah. learn more about what the cult was and her being the only right. survivor, maybe clinging on to the first connection she had and they became more right. familiar with each other and kind of fell in love or whatever they think is love. Cause I think maybe they're right. both broken people because they don't have a lot of good I people think so. skills. The dad yeah. is unaware of anything. She obviously has gone through a traumatic experience, so she's not there too. Right. And I mean and, and think about yeah. how how quickly Grace and Richard Richard were both moving, right? Where I mean, we could assume that they weren't broken up that fast, uh, Laura and Richard. Yeah. Because they haven't even signed the the finalization of the divorce papers. So this is probably pretty exactly. recent. And right. So initially, like I, I would I pictured it as he was probably cheating on his wife, probably with his girl. And initially him cheating on her, he uh, found he fell in love and initially was just like fell out of love with her. And I think that's how it happened. But with all of that being said, like they were moving pretty quick. And it's nothing I wrong agree. with that. I mean, yeah, you know, move fast as you want. But uh. it. it I mean, <laughs> I would say no. I mean, like, I know I know some people who who have gotten married like as soon as they, it was legal to uh, for gay marriage in California. Yeah, and they only knew each other for two weeks. They've been married for eight years. <laughs> nice, and that that works out yeah. well. And I think that's fine. Uh, I think the the part where they move a little too fast, where it doesn't really work relationship wise, is that his ex wife literally just passed away not too long ago, six months, and he's still moving forward with the wedding thinking that's a good idea even with his kids involved. It's like he's thinking more about himself as a person than himself yeah. as a unit with his family. Right. Yeah, because I feel like for me, I would have tried to introduce Grace more. more. Yeah. Yeah, like I would have wanted her to be involved more like come to a couple of dinners and, and or more than a couple of dinners right stick like hang out for a couple of years and let's see how this goes with like you might not even fucking like my kids like <laughs> so you know it's it's stuff like that and you definitely probably don't like my kids but and this hey. comes the doorbell oh sorry oh sorry go ahead uh, just real quick uh this comes back to like the first time watching this movie it's like i can relate to the kids and feel empathetic to them because they feel like their mom just died and she's already getting replaced with probably the main reason yeah. why she died in the first place. So you feel bad for the kids. And then later on we see you what do. they do and you're like, okay, these kids are psycho. Gotcha. <laughs> continue the on. Doorbell. No worries. The doorbell rings, cutting their conversation short, but not before Aiden can let off a last of fuck you before storming off. Mm. Boy... He goes after his son while Mia gets up and follows them. And um, it, it, I even put there, I was like, you almost forgot that she was there. Yeah. Like, I like, <laughs> it was, it was, Mia wasn't like involved in that at all. She was just like, mm, 
I'm going to chill over here. I did my pieces. Cut to Mia listening to her father's muffled apology to Grace. He gives her a hug, causing Mia to slam the door and storming off upstairs. Mia is making a little bowl of her food to share with her doll. Uh, Richard... Uh, Richard tells them that he is going to have to go, uh, go go out later again, but they are all silent, continuing to eat, eat their dinner. Richard leaves, but Mia and Aiden are in his office on his computer, looking up information about Grace. He tells Mia that he is he is uh, he was right about her being in her dad's book on cults. There is an image of a young Grace, the cult leader Aaron Marshall, who was also her father, and someone dead on the table with their body covered, and. Uh, uh, I even put here that this very much reminds me of Heaven's Gate. Like this is insanely similar right. to what happened for Heaven's Gate, where the, the pictures were initially just like this. Aiden starts reading the article and tells her that everyone committed suicide except for her. Then reads, "Quote: She's supposed to bring the teachings of the of the sect to, uh to the public." End quote. Mia tells him to click on the video of Aaron. He says, "Quote." And you will find salvation. Repent, and you will wash away every sin that has been bothering bothering you. Just confessed. Repent and pray. Now, don't don't think I'm the only one watching. God is waiting. He's so impatient, and he can't wait to see your smiling faces. The video skips, but he continues. Quote, Please join with me. Would you like to sing? End quote. Aaron starts to sing, but the video skips to someone going down into a basement area. They are recording the ground while they walk, but we can see tables with people's feet. Eventually, we can see people that have committed suicide. The person recording goes up to someone and removes their veil. Their face is duct taped with the word sin written boldly on it. Mia asks if this is real but they continue to silently watch. The camera jumps, showing the person recording going up to another person, removing their veil, jumping once more, uh, and we finally see that it is Grace, who is holding the camera with her mouth also duct tape. They are startled by their dad bursting through the, through his office door, asking them what they are doing in there and he and what's going on. Aiden comes up with an excuse of them looking something up for Mia's school project because his computer is updating. Knowing that this isn't true, Richard still acknowledges it and tells them that he was just with Grace and that he really that and that she really wants to come up on the trip with them to get to really know them. He shares that he, uh, it is important to him that they give this a chance and that she has all this fun stuff planned for them to stay up all night and watch movies. He asks his kids to give it a chance and to think about it for him. They are silent, but we cut to the dollhouse with all the dolls face down at this point. Mia and Aiden are working in the dollhouse. Then we cut to them packing up their bags. Mm. Mia grabs her aquatic creatures and I, I think they're sea monkeys, right? Yeah, I think they're sea monkeys. But uh, yeah, just really quick. I think this is a very interesting yeah. scene because now watching this for a second time, I know what they were doing at that dollhouse. They're planning this whole thing out. And yeah. I don't know if you noticed this, what you see in his backpack, it's filled with all the many random oh, it's, things. It's, it's all the, it's the things harness, that he was doing. It's like, yeah, it's the speaker. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting because I didn't notice that. Obviously, they don't really try to show it to you. But at the same time, right. they show it to you. But you don't see it the first time. Which is clever, right? It is clever, um, and I I absolutely love this where they are 
initially we we're seeing the whole plan right um throughout the whole film but you don't you don't see that until you watch it retroactively right where you you kind of go over it and you trace your steps back and then you really start to see like oh shit like they got some they they got some fucked up shit planned here diabolical um, but yeah absolutely and, and it was well we'll get to the ending uh, later but I, I'll, I'll hopefully save my thought. Um, uh, da, 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 Mia grabs her aquatic creatures and, and dolls while Aiden seemingly grabs candles, a harness, and a photo. Ugh. All right. They're in the car. Mia's looking at her creatures. Then her dad parks and stops the car, then, great, then calls for Grace. The kids all wait with anticipation, and Richard hears her phone ringing behind him, letting off a smile. He gets out of the car, and we can see a distinct woman uh, walking towards the car with her dog and luggage in hand. He gives her a hug while the dog barks and then puts her bags in in the trunk. Aiden and Mia don't bother to look up. They just continue facing forward. They both get get into the car. Richard's phone starts to ring, and he tells him that he has to take it, and he leaves out of the car um, to talk on the phone. Grace stays in the car and both Mia and Aiden are just staring at her. She doesn't look back right away, but when she does, she greets both of them. And um and she seems sweet. Yeah. Like like you know, she's she seems like someone like I don't know, you look at her and you're just like, "All right, maybe I can give you a chance for my dad." Like, I don't know if you're good for him or not. Like, you're pretty young, but that's kind of old, but I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe I'll give you a chance. But they don't say anything. They don't they hate her. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah, like you just see fire burning in their eyes. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, uh, and again, seeing this seeing it a second time, you like read their faces and I'm start studying these guys and they just look like they're just filled with I don't know, anger and also there's a lot of tension in the scene without them even saying anything. So good job on the kids acting that scene out too. Yeah, I agree. Because they're just staring at her like, don't talk to me. Like, <laughs> right. like what are you doing? Like, we're not friends. <laughs> kind of thing. They don't say anything back to her. Aiden just nods his head and she uh, lets off a smile at them. Richard gets back into the car and asks if they're ready to go. And he's all chipper and shit. Yeah, he's all it's about just like, this trip. Yeah, he's like, he's because he doesn't have to fucking be there. Like, <laughs> right. So he's excited. Um, but uh, he sets out towards the cabin. While they are driving down the highways and roads, Aiden glances at his dad and Grace when he touches her leg. Grace is looking at herself in the car's overhead mirror, noticing Mia staring at her. Um, just like kind of how Mia was looking at her mom, looking at herself in the overhead mirror. Right. She gives a smile, causing Mia to immediately look away. They eventually make it to the Dark Lodge, pulling in front of the property. Richard asks if anyone has the key, and Mia uh, semi-excitedly yells that she has the key. Grace lets lets down her dog, Grady, telling him to go pee while she stands in front of the car, waiting for him to go. She looks around and notices that there's nothing, there's literally nothing out there. Aiden comes back to the car to turn off, uh, turn it off completely, taking the keys and heading back inside, causing Grace to stand outside in the dark alone. Mm. Bro. Bro, come on, man. Like, this is what I'm talking about. These fucking kids. Like, (laughs) they suck. Come on, rude ass kids. And I gotta say, when they were driving down too, the score is very interesting. And And I feel like the score throughout the whole movie is very interesting. But it's like a combination of strings and then like heartbeats, which is very odd. 
But again, beautifully shot of That's them true. driving in the dark in the snow, uh, arriving to the lodge, which looks beautiful too. So again, cinematography is on yeah. point. But this time I kind of noticed like the soundtrack and I was like, oh, it's like heartbeats with a bunch of strings and it's very eerie and very hmm. setting the mood for what's coming up next. Yeah, absolutely. Grace comes into the house and Richard tells her that he set up a little dog bed in the hall and she and asks if that is okay. She just bluntly says okay and goes into the hall where the dog bed is to place Grady down. Richard continues telling her that the bedrooms are upstairs and if she uh, needs a hand, she tells him that she is okay while placing Grady down on the bed. Grace drags her bag up the stairs and opens the door to another room, but then slightly closes the door. She seemed like at this moment she was angry. Cause like she didn't ask for, she like denied help and she like tr- just drags her bag up the stairs initially and it's loud. Like she's yeah. banging on it each step. It's a very odd so response like, to being there now. Right. And I feel like, so, I don't know. Uh, it felt weird that she was kind of like somewhat triggered that the dog bed was not in her room maybe and being in a separate room. Maybe. Cause she acted weird yeah. about it. It's like, yeah, that's fine. I guess. I was like, hmm. right. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it was. But I mean, at the same time, like, I know because she felt she, she felt off. Right. Like, it's just it's just something felt off about her. And I, I don't know what it was initially. Like, she just seemed angry. Like, maybe she was mad that her she got locked. I mean, that might be it. She just she oh, was probably true. pissed off that initially the door closed on her um, and was and she was left outside in the dark to have her dog pee in fucking snow. So that's probably it. (laughs) The uh, door opens up, but uh, she continues going to the room that Richard told her to go into. She is unpacking her things and hides presents for both Mia and Aiden in a drawer. She tells she turns on the lamp on the nightstand and notices a picture of of Richard and Laura. She then places that inside the cupboard. They all are all going. They're all at the dinner table. Richard places a plate of food on the table for for them, gleefully telling them to eat. Mia does the uh, signs of the cross and begins to pray. And do you think they're doing this for sure? 100%. To be genuine, or do you no. think they're doing this to just fuck with her? They did their research, so I even have here in my notes. It's like the kids pray at dinner, and she seems very shocked because I'm pretty sure the kids were never praying before this ever happened. And then we see her like looking at the painting, which is the Virgin Mary in the well, back. Well, I don't know, because think... you like you you have to also take into consideration that Laura was insanely religious as well. I know, but I think the kids know because that religion Mia bothers was her. V- well, I think Jaden, uh, not Jaden, Aiden yeah. knows that it bothers her, and I think Mia is just playing along to what Aiden is telling her initially, um, because. I think Mia genuinely prays almost every meal. Okay, that might be like, fair I, too. Because yeah, I like she her, seems to follow in her mom's footsteps initially. Yeah, her in general throughout this movie, she's kind of like the one type of person that has somewhat of hope or like empathy towards Grace in some moments. And we kind of see that later on with the dog. Um Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, Aiden's the one that's kind of, like, pulling the strings to the whole operation and telling her what to do. Absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely the right. mastermind. Absolutely. But I do think yeah. the kids know that religion does bother her because they use a lot of that aspect against her, for sure. Yeah, I agree. 
Grace looks up at her and then goes back to looking down at her food. Everyone is eating silently while the camera is showing the painting of Mary behind uh, Mia and Aiden. Grace is eating slowly while Mia notices that she is bleeding from her nose. They don't say anything, but Grace uh, takes a napkin and uh, starts to wipe the blood away. Then they continue eating. And uh, this was this was interesting. Like, I, I was very curious with the whole blood thing. Like, I don't know if that happens if it's mm. like a nervous reaction or if it happens because it's too cold or what. Like, I, I, I'm very curious on what that sensitivity is. Yeah, I feel like it was but, from uncomfortable. I, I don't know if being uncomfortable will get you a bloody nose. But maybe it's just like a little I mean, panic attack. Anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah, I was about to say like an anxiety yeah. attack that she's trying to hold in. Yeah, feeling flushed. Right. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Very intriguing. We never really got that answer. Uh, cut to Grace and Richard in bed whilst she stares at the cross that is hung on the wall. He asks her if she, uh, what she is looking at, and she points at the cross. He tells her that uh, that was Loras, and if it bothers her, that he will take them down. She tells him that it doesn't bother her, and he proceeds to passionately kiss her. The camera slowly moves acro- uh, closer to the cross, but then back at the couple kissing. But Grace starts to laugh. He tries to cover her laughter with his hand and whispers that she is going to make herself bleed. So there's something there's something that she does initially with her emotions that causes her to bleed. It so, sounds like it, yeah. I don't know. She apologizes, but continues to laugh. Uh, Mia and Aiden could hear their muffled laughter while they do whatever. Uh, while they do whatever they're doing uh, behind the wall, they are co- trying to cover their ears while Mia is holding her doll um, in the other hand. Meanwhile, Grady is downstairs and he hears the floor creak. He growls in that direction, and we can see someone slowly moving back up the stairs. Now, this is where I'm starting to think, like, oh shit, is this a ghost movie? Right. Yeah. My first like, time watching it's it, just for a, sure. Yeah, like it, it really makes it feel like this is a ghost movie, and I think that's pretty well done that they kind of have that type of a red herring. Oh, for sure. It's just it, it feels paranormal, and it's pretty good. And in a way, it is paranormal, right? Because I mean, it is like very, very on the foundations of religion and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. it's it's really cool because you see the director, the one telling the story of this movie. And if you were to like put the characters as cast members or like the production crew, the kids are the director of this movie. They're the ones playing all the strings and kind of showing what the audience is initially looking at. And we probably know at this moment that this is probably Aiden that's moving around the house doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has to be right. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting because we see the kids doing stuff that we don't see on screen play out into the movie itself making us think it's yeah. a paranormal movie which is very interesting right which is kind of cool it's a good concept it's a very it creative is. way to do storytelling i agree definitely agree next day the kids are ice skating while richard shovels snow grace is looking from a window she goes downstairs pets her dog goodbye and while uh, grabbing a uh, a red beanie off the coat rack and her ice skates. She heads outside with two sticks, making her way with her ice skates towards the others. Aiden and Mia playing while Richard mockingly asks Grace um, how she is doing. Uh, she chuckles, telling him that it's going good, and he uh, and he asks her if she needs a hand. Richard tells his kids to give her a hand, but they uh, but 
they start making their way towards her, but they stop. Um, they stop. Uh, excuse me, but they stop to stare at her. Aiden tells her that um, that is their mom's hat, and she immediately takes it off, handing it to them, apologizing. And Mia just snatches it out of her hand, um, and they initially skate off. They don't even like help her. They're just like, "Fuck you, right. my mom's beanie." Brutal. Richard comes up to uh, to her, asking what was uh, what happened. And she tells him that she did she uh, did know it was their mom's hat. He tells her that it's okay and hands hands her his hat. Then k- gives her a kiss on the cheek. And then it's just like, if I were her, I would just feel like it's not okay. Like your kids fucking hate me, right? Like, <laughs> like no, it's not. I'm not okay right now. <laughs> I can tell. Like, like I don't feel welcomed here. She's trying to make it work though. She doesn't want to make a hassle out of it because you can even see that with her bringing the gifts in. It's like she's trying to put in the effort to have that connection with the kids, and kind of like with the oh yeah, she's says, definitely like, trying to win them over. Yeah, and the dad even says like, oh yeah, she has a bunch of stuff planned, watching movies all night. She has this pretty much thing of like this trip is going to connect us in a way. It's very interesting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I, I could see that being the uh, rationale behind her actions initially is her just trying to make the best of it right and then she just breaks later but we'll get there (laughs) uh can you blame her he pulls he pulls her with his shovel through the ice telling uh telling him that uh this is way better cut to mia playing with her doll grace is calling for mia in the distance but she ignores her continuing to play with her doll she yells for uh she yells for mia to be careful because there is a fishing hole but mia uh drops her doll into the icy water Grace runs over to uh, to her, yelling for her to stop, and that she has uh, has to be careful. Then offers to get the doll for her. She moves closer to the edge, but the ice collapses, causing her to fall into the water. Mia screams for her dad, and he runs over, telling her to get back while Grace is trying to get out of the water. He drops down and extends a hand um, out to her, pulling her back onto the snow covered and uh, the snow covered ice, um, and. Mia chose the appropriate time to scream for her doll, right? Right. I've been having her in my notes. I was like, she was more worried about the doll than her. She gave zero fucks. Yeah. She's like, Dad. I'm like, Dad. My doll. Like, <laughs> that would have been like, it, it was fucked up. But I mean, hey, it's, it's interesting seeing these kids go through their grieving process. It's just, it's fascinating. Right. Because that, that doll technically does mean more to her than Grace does. I found it out because it's like, oh, yeah, because that doll her is mom. her mom initially. Right. Yeah. Like she feels like her mom's soul is still in that doll. Essentially, yeah, for sure. So he yells for the kids to get back into the house while trying to rub and comfort Grace outside, going slowly through the dollhouse replica. We, uh, uh, while we can indistinctly hear Aiden and Mia telling Grace uh, that she will be warm soon. Grace is sitting by the fire and Richard comes up behind her, handing her some tea, warning her that it's really hot. He asks her if she is doing okay. While shivering, she nods her head. He tells her that uh, that he will make another. He would make her something to eat. Uh, he goes over and gets on the phone telling the person on the other line that he can't come back tonight, asking to get someone to cover uh, for him because it is an emergency. Grace sits, sips her 
uh, sits her tea down and gets up from the stool. She goes into the room to take a pill. Richard comes into the room asking her if she is okay and gives her off. And she gives off an mm hmm, trying to initially hide something. Uh, he tells her that he doesn't think she should, uh, that he should go back to the city. She asks him why. He continues, um, saying that it's, uh, that he doesn't want to leave her there with the kids if she's not feeling up to it. She cuts she cuts him off, letting him know that she is feeling fine and that it, it is just for a couple of days. He asks for reassurance. She acknowledges and jokes about ice skating, causing them both to chuckle. Meanwhile, Grace is hiding her pills, placing them into the backside of her pants. He calls he calls her over to the closet, pulls out a safe, puts in a code, and shows off shows her a revolver. And this is already like getting super interesting where it's just like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right. What, what are you, what are we expecting here? You know, like what are we expecting for us to have a gun or need a gun in this moment? So, I mean, granted it's a cabin in the, in the snowy woods, so you can never go wrong with a gun, but still. So first time watching this movie, it went from, I think this movie is about paranormal activity to oh maybe this is a movie about the cult and maybe the cult is still after her for whatever reason and she has to defend herself if left alone or something like that and essentially maybe she's a survivor alone style. the cult still like follows her and stuff like that and maybe that's how they connected but that's where it's like yeah exactly what you thought it's like why is there a gun involved is there some yeah. danger that we don't know as an audience yet and of course that's not how it plays out but very interesting super interesting it's it's really fascinating how the gun is introduced initially he tells her that is a fair family heirloom that used to belong to laura's dad and once again it's just bringing up laura initially because it, it, that would make me alone feel really uncomfortable where it's just like well this whole place is laura initially and yeah. it's it, there is no ounce of her and richard to fulfill that house so Super fascinating. He tells her that, oh, excuse me. Uh, she scoffs and they uh, are both outside and Richard is teaching her how to hold and shoot the gun. He asks her if she would like to try it. She takes the gun. He is trying to tell her to, uh, that is quite, uh, that it has quite a recoil, but she starts uh, firing the weapon at a stump, hitting it each time, startling Richard with each shot. And, uh, I even put her that I, I love how they're, is like a little editing goof right there where she's holding the gun with two hands and then they jump to back to her initially and she's holding it with one hand, jump back to her again and she's holding it with three hands or three hands, two Damn. hands again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She wore that third hand come from. <laughs> I knew it. Came from her stomach. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, that's what it initially was just super interesting. Uh, Richard is impressed and, and Grace nonchalantly hands the gun back to him. Cut to Richard in his car. He is telling his kids that he will um, only be gone for a couple of days and that Wendy as at the gas station has uh, a key if anything happens. Ending with telling them to be nice and, and to not go hunting for their Christmas presents before re- reversing out, out of the lot. Uh, 
The kids head inside, closing the door behind them, leaving Grace once again alone outside. Inside, she knocks on the door uh, to their room, telling them that she is going to decorate the house if they if they want to help. No answer. She calls out to them, but no answer uh, uh, still. She tries the door, but it is locked. Downstairs, she is putting up decorations over the fireplace and calls uh, calls back the, the, uh, out to the kids. With no answer, she finds a little toy Santa that plays jingle bells. She turns it on with a smile and places it on top of the fireplace. Mia is looking at her sea monkeys while Grace is putting away the unused decorations. So I guess initially Grace came back down um, or Mia came back down. She asks Mia what she wants for Christmas. She tells Grace that she wants a dog. Grace tells her that uh, she has always wanted a dog for Christmas, but she never got one. Mia questions her, and Grace tells her that she didn't get presents when she was a little girl while uh, coming up to Mia, sitting behind her on the chair. This. I fucking love this. I like their dynamic. I really, really uh, like how it feels like Mia is actually starting to warm up to her and i even deep down inside think mia started liking grace like i i do think that she started to because i think at certain points she she kind of had that facial expression like okay this is getting a little too real kind of feeling right like they are sharing a relatable moment in a way about talking about the dog um so i hear i have here in my notes that when she was talking about the dog and how she gifted that to herself it was pretty much like a new life for her i feel like mia kind of looked at her with like an idea and i think she told aiden that the dog meant so much to her that it led to what happens to the dog later on and i think she feels responsible about that later on too when she starts crying with her um i mean we'll break down that scene once we come to it but i think this is the the start of the idea of maybe messing with her through her dog. So interesting. Although I do think I they share that sweet moment, and I think Mia does start to become more relatable to Grace. Uh, I do think maybe this was the moment Mia had an idea to use the dog against her as well. Hmm. Interesting. Because I I don't know. Yeah. I, I I I feel like they've always had a plan like this to initially consider that they were in purgatory um, oh for sure yeah and and I feel like in order to do that they had to get rid of literally everything including the dog so like like so I don't know I think Mia brings it could potentially now that I'm thinking about it Mia could have potentially brought it up on purpose to kind of have a bigger impact get Grace to be a little bit more vulnerable maybe yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. She gave, it's, it's an interesting scene, though. She gave some I look. really like that scene. She gave a suspicious look where I'm like, I don't know. You're thinking about something evil. Yeah, Lots that's sickos. <laughs> she continues sharing that that her dad was really serious about the Bible, and it, it doesn't say anything about presence in the Bible. Mia comments on the uh, on that being weird, and she agrees with her. She's like, Yeah, that is weird. Uh, and. Quiet for a moment, Grace sparks up a conversation again, asking her what kind of dog uh, does she like. Mia bluntly says, Bulldogs. Grace, with a smile, comments on them being cute. Mia tells her that her dad uh, tells her that her dad doesn't want to get uh, want her to get a dog either because he thinks she is not going to take care of it. Grace mentions that maybe if she takes good care of her sea monkeys, then she can get a dog. That's quite the fucking jump there. 
True. What do you mean? But it's what do you so mean? Good. Like sea monkeys e- equates to dogs. But at the same time, we see what happens to the sea monkeys too, right? It's true. Yeah. She should definitely not get a dog. Definitely not. She tells Mia that uh, that she got Grady for herself as a present to herself. She tells Mia that whenever she was able to uh, to put her past behind her, Grady was her new life. Grace is rubbing a scar on her hand, simplifying a stigmata-esque mark. And this is also just pretty cool. Like, the mm-hmm. fact that, like, she kind of had her hands like this. It very much reminded me of, like, 1BR. <laughs> okay. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, so it just reminded me of that. Great movie. Uh, it is. Thank you. Um, I don't know why I... You're welcome. Uh, ...gave thanks for that, where I was just like, <laughs> oh, I made it myself. Uh, but, like, <laughs> it's, it's my movie. No, I did not make that movie. We did break it's it down, my movie. We is- did break it down. We did break it down. We did break it down. That was a great discussion. You can listen to that one uh, in a previous month. Uh, Mia asks her if she would like to uh, see the present that they made for Richard. She tells her yes, and Mia puts in a DVD in the in the player. Now this is where I just am just like, all right, Mia's a little fucking asshole again. It is a home video of Aiden, Laura, and Mia doing snow angels. Grace is uh, blankly watching while the home video continues uh, with Laura and her family eating dinner. Laura asks Aiden, uh, what, is, what is he thankful for? And, and he uh, tells her that he's thankful for his mom. And this is what makes me think that like this definitely was a short timeline. Like, Yeah. Yeah, because this was pretty new. This looked like it was probably last year or something. Oh, for so, sure. I think so, too. Yeah, so it definitely reminds, lets me know, like, this is a significantly short time, initially. Um, Laura Laura chuckles looking at the camera, saying that they did good. Um, Grace can't take much more of this video. And she just walks off. She didn't say shit. Just walks off. Yeah. And to me, that is just so fucking impactful. That alone, yeah. I've heard her just walking off like you felt the pain. Yeah, this was like the on on. At least for me, ahead. the the turning point of me feeling more empathetic towards her than the kids. At this point, it was like I feel it. Right, you're just trying to find love. You're right. trying to connect with these kids, and you're constantly reminded of the person that you can't fill the shoes with. So it's like right. I feel that. It's like damn, yeah, that's deep. Exactly, and not to air out uh, this person's dirty laundry, but. Uh, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to even name relationships. But initially, I know a person who uh, their boyfriend kind of did this or their ex-boyfriend did something similar to this of what uh, this guy is doing, uh, Richard, where they were dating. And when they were dating or whatever, they initially that was something that he did where he, his wife passed away. And it was extremely sad. But when they would like have get togethers with their friends or whatever with his friends, they would always bring up his ex-wife. And it, it and for my for my friend, they initially like that hurt them. Oh, for like, sure, bad. So that you know, like she understands. Like okay, yeah, his wife died, and I feel pity for him. And I feel sorry and so on and so forth. And, um, but it's just, it's just a point. Like how, how would you feel when you're just like, okay, I'm the new girlfriend or whatever. And then 
everyone just keeps bringing up the good times of when someone else that I didn't even know was here. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure she definitely felt like the odd one out kind of thing. But hey, uh, Grace is sitting in another room catching catching a break. She goes back to the uh, to uh, the door where Aiden is. She knocks on it, but no answer from him. She jiggles the handle, but it won't it won't budge. She tells him that she is going uh, she is going to fix herself something to eat if he is hungry. He ignores her and she calls out to him again, but he continues letting off the silent treatment. Cut to Grace eating a sandwich at the dining table alone, staring at the Mary painting in front of her. She gets up and sits on the other side, but she is hearing an inaudible whisper. And this is, this makes me think like because it feels like in the beginning when you first watch this, it feels like that's just a part of the score. Right. And like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like it's that apparent that that is coming from her psyche. What do you think her pills were? Uh, and why do you think she had to hide them from Richard? And that's the very interesting part too. It's like, I don't know what the pills really were altogether. Cause I, she seemed pretty sound until everything kind of spiraled out of control. And I'm sure it's something I think the pills was gonna be for like maybe her depression, maybe that she has herself having a traumatic experience, anxiety pills, maybe. Um, it could be a lot of things. Maybe. Um, I mean, thinking about her past, it does mean that she probably needs that medication to keep her sound and keep her present because ever since she loses those pills, she kinda of goes crazy too because she feels like she needs them as well. So right. it's very interesting. But it makes me think it makes me think like if, if it was something that innocent, why hide them from Richard? You know? She wants to seem normal. People are often feel like they need to hide that they're taking medication or talking to a therapist in general about like mental right, issues. Yeah, it's always that stigma. Right. And that's the thing, right? We want to break that stigma of being able to talk about it and relate to other people that have the same type of things. Um yeah. but maybe for her, she just wants normalcy of just being part of a family not having any negative things towards her and maybe she sees that as a negative um but we later learn where those voices really start coming from which is another thing that's pretty shocking uh it's a pretty good reveal and like i said it's kind (laughs) of like these kids are the director of this movie because they're feeding this to the audience which is us it's like we're basically her it's, it's Quite insane. Yeah, so it's it's really smart. It's really smart filmmaking. I I absolutely agree. She takes the painting off the wall and sits it down, facing it towards the wall. Grace goes around the house, turning off all the lights uh, before taking a shower. She gets out of the shower and goes up to the mirror where, um, quote unquote, mom uh, with a heart uh, around is written. Uh, She wipes it off and she notices that Aiden is looking at her from outside the door. Little perv. What you doing? Now, obviously, I I don't think he was genuinely checking her out or anything. I do think like he was there to mess with her. her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so maybe that too. He's a weird little kid. He is. Yeah, he is a bit odd. Um, Grace walks over to it um, and blows the candle. Oh wait, excuse me. 
she opens the door and Aiden fakes as uh, fakes as if he's asleep while there is a candle vigil of their mom lit on the steps. Grace walks over to it and blows the candles out. Grady is downstairs whining, growling, and barking at someone that we cannot see. The camera is slowly moving around the house and Grace starts to loudly play the organ. Now, this is what I think her pills are actually for. I think her pills are for like uh, maybe some type of bipolar disorder. Okay. Yeah. But I'm not too sure because it, it's just, it's super interesting. Like at night, she's a completely different person, right? Like it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. It, she, she is uh, good. No, it's like saying it's like a flip of a switch. She, yeah, like you said, especially when you talked about like when we first in, get introduced by her in the car, it's like, oh, she seems very nice, very sweet. And she becomes like, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, a completely different person. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. That right. may be what her pills are yeah. really for. Maybe. Good call out. Uh, she's walking She's walking through the darkness of, of the house toward two kids, imagining them being one of the parishioners who has perished. Uh, next day, Grace wa- uh, wakes up on the floor in her room. I found that fascinating, the whole floor thing. And I, I wonder if that has like a, a correlation to how maybe she was with the cult, or maybe this is how she was with, uh, or maybe the, maybe this is how she just felt initially in general, where all these people kind of were on the ground and things like that. Maybe this is her only way of getting closer to them again, because I'm sure hmm. those were probably more of her family than anything so she's walking through the darkness of the house towards the two kids imagine oh i just read that already sorry uh next day grace wakes up on the floor in her room she goes over to the drawer and notices that mia and aiden's presence are no longer there and it begins she goes over to the side of the bed pulls out her luggage and and uh all the gifts are um and Oh, excuse me. And the gifts are now inside her luggage, including with Mia's doll. Mia knocks on the door, telling her uh, that she can't find her doll. Cut to them both looking around the uh, around the room for the doll. Grace ask uh, ask if she uh, has looked in her dad's room. Mia tells her that she hasn't taken it in there. Grace ask ask her if she has. Uh, checked in the room across the way. She tells Grace that she never uh, takes her in there, but Grace insists that she is going to go look for the doll in- inside here and ask her if she would like to come join her. They go inside the room and Grace tells her to check by the shoe rack. Grace notices it is on Grady's bed and hands it to Mia, telling her that he must have thought it was a toy. And she's like completely faking her out, right? She's right. just like making excitement of finding it and all this other jazz because initially she know what's up. She knows that these kids fucked around with something. Um, Mia walks off without saying anything, not thank you or nothing. And it's just like, what the fuck? These fucking kids. Little shits. Yeah, man. <laughs> Grace goes upstairs um, to take one of the, one of her pills. We cut to her outside on the phone, talking to Richard's voicemail telling him that everything is okay and they are having fun. She tells him that they just watched a movie and she made pancakes and they are decorating and they decorated the house. She, uh, ends, she ends telling him to try calling her back, but switches it to texting and that would probably, and that would probably be better. 
back of the house. She is making a sandwich. She calls out to Aiden, telling him that she is making a sandwich if he wants one. He has his headphones on while reading a book, but she makes sure to get his attention to repeat what she is doing. He tells her he tells her that he will make his own. She heads over to him and tells him that she thinks uh, they need to have a conversation. He removes an ear from his headphones and asks her what. She tells him that the things are uncomfortable between them and if there is anything she can do to make them better or what is his problem. He looks at her and bluntly says, hormones. This little motherfucker. She, she tells him that there is something that uh, he isn't saying and that she has uh, and that she is there if he wants to talk about anything. He asks her why would he want to talk to her and tells and she tells him because they are stuck in a house together. He scoffs and she takes back her words uh, saying that she didn't mean stuck and uh, tries to retrieve the words to take back what she said. She tells him that it would be better um, if he if they could talk. Um, He shakes his he shakes his head and tells her that he doesn't want to talk to her. She repeats what he says to him and asks in questions that he just like he just wants to watch her in the shower instead. Yeah, I mean, it's good rebuttal. Come on, got a point there. Yeah, <laughs> he looks back at his book in. Uh oh shit, lost my spot. He looks back at his book and she asks him if he has anything to say uh, to her, and she is trying to make things better. They are watching The Thing on TV Hell and yeah. Aiden comes up to Grace with a mug in his hand. Super hell yeah. Um, and of course it's the scene, it's the scene that I don't even like to with the right. dogs. It's very <laughs> it's interesting like, what they're talking about though. Um, of like, oh, why were they oh, shooting yeah. the dog? And they're all talking about like cabin fever. And I was like, hmm. Yep. That's foreshadowing a little bit. Very much so. And it was a perfect placement for that movie. Oh, for sure. Perfect placement. She asks if the, if that is for her, and he tells her that it is, with a little smirking smile on his face. Mia starts coughing on the couch and mentions that she, uh, it is cold in there. Grace asks if if she uh, would like some hot chocolate, but Mia politely declines. Grace feels her head and says that she feels okay, and Aiden asks her if she would like to get the gas heater. Mia continues watching the, uh, watching the movie while he grabs the heater. Um, the scene of childs torturing the creature jumps to the gas heater, igniting in the middle of the room. As the heater goes on, Grace is covering her nose and asks if it is safe for them to have it in the house. And that's a good question. Where it's just like, it's a gas heater. Like, right. Is that safe? Because, I mean, it's just... Perf- it's, it sounds like it was just, like, profusely letting off fumes. Oh, for sure. And I think that's the point. It's like, she wasn't unsure about it. And they want to use that towards their benefit. It's like, yeah, this is what killed you. Or all of us, technically. But we'll right. get there. Yeah, this is what this is what suffocated us initially. Um, but... Even with the pill situation, like you, you get a sense on how it worked for him to give her sleeping pills. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, super interesting. Aiden tells her that it is fine, and, and um, it always sounds like that. While watching the movie, the frame of, of the Mary painting falls to the ground, startling Grace and causing her to ask uh, if they would like to watch a different movie. They put on Jack Frost instead. How? No, not the horror movie. No fun. Um, yeah, you like that movie? Uh, no, Was that I mean, Kevin Costner, right? I think so. It's not a great movie, but it's, eh, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. 
Damn, it's not a good movie at all, though. Yeah. God. He, he fucking sleds with the snow. Whatever. Uh, Mia <laughs> falls asleep while the TV is starting to go in and out. The heater continues to hiss, and we jump to her waking up outside in the snow. She do- she looks around, confused um, to how she ended up there. And, dude, I would be so freaked out. If, Hell yeah. If I woke up that way. And granted, this is obviously a dream, but still, I would just I would be so freaked out. She wipes she wipes some of the snow away, revealing the ice and the doll that is underneath submerging deeper into the water. Grace falls into the water and she and is being pulled deeper by her father, deeper mm. and deeper until she actually wakes up from this nightmare. She wakes up on the front on the on the floor next to Mia asleep on the couch. She reaches for her phone, but it is dead. It is freezing in the house, and she tries turning the heater on, but the power is out. She opens the curtains in the kitchen, and it is bl- and it is a blizzard going on outside. She tries to get some water from the sink, but nothing. Fucking frozen pipes. This is what I'm talking about. Like, they could have this is dangerous. Died. This is a very dangerous prank. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, and just like I, I, I guess. Fuck. And I feel like uh, real quick on her like dream. I feel like it was like a little bit of some symbolism of her drowning in her past still. That's still pretty much consuming her, bringing her deeper and deeper into her emotions. Um, but right. yeah, during this whole entire scene, I was like, damn, she really woke up with no water, no electricity. Decorations are gone. Food is gone. Fucking like, yeah, dude, like, like for real. It's like, this is where he hits. <laughs> Grace wakes up Aiden telling him that the power is out. He asks what time is it and she tells him that she, uh she honest uh, um that she um she doesn't know because her phone is dead. She asks him to check his and he tell and and he does, but he tells her that his is dead too. She asks him where the gas heater is and, and asks if he moved it. He immediately tells her no. She looks at the fireplace that all the decorations gone. Um she asks him where is everything and she, and he Excuse me. She asks him where is everything. He stands up and asks him, and she asks him if he uh, did this or if this is some kind of joke. Mia calls over Grace towards the fridge, and all of the food is gone. Grace tells them that it is uh, that if this is some kind of joke, it is not funny. They are both silent, so she tells them that she is going to go to her room, and when she comes back, all the food better be back. Damn. Like she. This is, I actually really like Grace like this because you could tell like okay she's not taking anyone's shit really right she's full so, on parent mode right exactly like yo come on man you got to clean this up she leaves out of the out of the room leaving the two kids behind upstairs she is looking through the drawers and cupboards for her pills but everything is empty damn that would scare me. Hell yeah. If my pills were gone and something I knew that I really, really needed to take or something like that, and they were gone. And that's where she loses her shit. Yeah, she definitely starts to spiral. Grace immediately calls for Aiden and Mia, and uh, while they are uh, walking up the stairs, she asks them where are her things, claiming that she needs her pills and asking them where they are. Aiden mentions that they didn't do anything, but she doesn't believe them and sternly telling them that she wants her things back. Mia yells that they didn't do anything, but Grace yells back at Aiden, saying that there is no one else in the house. Aiden uh, defensively tells her that uh, to ask herself 
because she is the one who walks around the house all night. And I love how she doesn't remember this. Yeah. I fucking love that. But I don't know if that's actually Now, deep her. down, do you think she was actually I don't think walking so. in the house at night? I don't either. I think it's literally, it's Aiden doing all of his masterminding stuff. Uh, obviously, he's the one that's like taking stuff down. He's the one hiding the food. He's the one that put the heater in motion to have this whole entire big master plan all set in motion. It's like, well, I'm going to make her think that she did all of this real quick before I even make her think that she really is in purgatory. It's it's all mind games, which is crazy to think about two kids thinking about this stuff. Can we really think about it like the changing of the time yeah. and stuff, which we'll get into later? There's so much detail into it. Like this is well thought out. This is a very evil master plan. So Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. I completely agree. But I have to say, I don't think she was the one sleeping around. I'm not sleeping around. That doesn't sound right. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I meant sleepwalking sure? <laughs> around. Sleepwalking around. Damn. Who was it? Mia? She was sleeping around. <laughs> um uh da, 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 where am I? Aiden defensively tells her that Oh, excuse me. Confused, she questions him. He tells her that they are they hear her every night, but she defensively asks him about her taking her own pills. Grace continues telling them that she is going to find them and rushes into her room. She is searching through the wardrobe and their things are um are not there. Uh, Grace uh, moves to their beds, looking underneath the mattresses, but nothing is there. Both me and Aiden are telling her to stop, but she continues searching. Grace and Aiden stop on on the top of the stairs when they see that the visual is no longer there. Mia comes up and notices that her doll is also missing from the area and asks Grace where her doll is. Cut to Grace upstairs, standing, standing, looking and possibly thinking about what to do next. But her train of thoughts are more derailed by Mia calling for Grady. And, um... That would have been the first thing I would have fucking checked on. This is my dog. Hell yeah. I'm like, yo, where's my dog? Need my dog. If the power and shit's out, like, I need, I like, that would be my main yeah, thing. Like, crazy? how am I going to feed my dog? You know what I'm saying? How, how am I going to get my dog water? Kind of thing. But, damn. Hey. Grace starts calling for her dog, and we notice that Grady's bed is empty. Grace asks where where he is, and Mia mentions that he might have gone outside. Grace, Mia, and Aiden all go out go outside in the vicious snowstorm, calling for the dog, but not but no return. Grace is back inside, trying to melt a pot of snow. She's shivering while checking her phone, but still not able to get it to work. Cut to her in the kitchen, searching through the cupboards. Uh, Aiden comes into the room, mentioning that the generator won't work, and he doesn't know why. And I love this because. Later, we find out that shit ain't really working. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I love that. He tells her that they won't have any power. Grace asks ask how far the nearest town is, and he tells her that it's miles away, and, uh, and it'll be pointless to go without a car. Plus, the... Uh, uh, plus, oh, wait. Uh, oh, I put word, but I think I meant road. Plus, the road could be closed for days. I don't know why I put that. That was weird. Um, maybe because I was fucking tired. Who knows? Yeah, Probably. That's, that's my life now. I'm always exhausted. Uh, they're at the dinner table eating cans of beans. Mia grabs saltine cracker, places it in her bowl. She doesn't take a bite. Uh, rather, she stares at it and gets up from the table, claiming she is done. And... 
it's just like this is a dire time now. Like to go with the thing. Like if she would have thrown that away, I, I would have probably been pissed. Like, yo, why are you throwing that away? Like we need to right. ration food now. Like what the hell? But hey, she didn't really play along too well there. I feel like. Aiden tells Grace that he had a weird dream the other night. The gas heater started smoking and they couldn't breathe. He hesitantly tells her that they suffocated. She is looking out of the window for a moment uh, before crashing, uh, crushing some crackers into a bowl of beans. She looks over at a, at a clock that uh, states it is January 9th and 8.13 a.m. Grace goes up to another clock, checking the date of another, and then starts going through the date changing uh, changing it back to December 22nd. She goes outside, placing some fo- uh, some of the food on the ground and quickly whistles for Grady. Back inside, and uh, she asks Aiden who's sitting uh, who's sitting by, the, by a fire if he messed with the clocks. Um, oh, excuse me. Back inside, she, she asks Aiden who is sitting by the fire um, and uh, she asks um, ask him if he messed with the clocks. I wrote that very poorly. <laughs> You're fine. He turns around telling her that he didn't uh, um, and asking why. Grace hears Mia talking indistinctly upstairs. Grace goes up, immediately goes upstairs and can hear her can hear uh, her speaking to someone saying that she's been playing with Aiden a lot, uh, sleeping a lot, and then claiming that she misses them. Damn. I love this. Sorry for that loud crash, everybody. My mic almost fell. <laughs> but uh, I absolutely love this now the reason why i like this scene so much is because mia is kind of not playing this smartly now here's the thing do you think Mm. she was actually faking or do you think the and the phone was dead or because i mean she takes the phone from mia right but i think she switched it Uh i think she switched the phone or that'd be fucking crazy yeah I, I mean, it's possible though. Very possible. Or I think she, Mia is actually a lot smarter than we think, and she did do this to make it feel like she's going crazy. She is actually talking to somebody, right. and she's going fucking crazy. Hmm. I give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's uh, part of the master plan. I think it is. Yeah. Like I, I like to think that because I, I really like this scene a lot because you're starting to see traces of grace snapping, which is fantastic. Right. And getting, like her, her spiral. Right. They're, it's just, they're playing with her psyche going more and more and more. And yeah, she, they're trying to pull some of the emotions out of her because they're pretty much just wearing her mm-hmm. down. So she believes the fact that she is in purgatory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Grace bursts into the room, impatiently questioning her about her phone working. Mia tries to share that it's not working, but Grace tries yanking it out of her hand. They jostle for the phone uh, for a bit. Grace gets the phone, but it won't turn on. Mia tells her that she uh, was just pretending and that she really misses her dad. Grace, with a face of regret and understanding, hands Mia her phone back, then leaves out of the room. So I think... I don't know. I like to think that's a part of the plan. I think so. Cut to Grace pouring hot water into the sink uh, to clean herself. Uh, while while doing so, the, ste- the steam reveals the words repent wow. in the mirror, causing her to stare at the message in shock. A straight reflection of her past. Dude. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. 
Yeah, because you I know, like that. Mirror, reflection, her past, repent. Yeah. <laughs> we got it, Freddie. Uh, we go through the dollhouse and the sea monkeys are now dead. Mm. While the dolls um, are all facing downward. And now it's interesting that you say this about like earlier you mentioned you you briefly mentioned this about her with the sea monkeys now this is what i like to think now here's the thing mia said for christmas she wants a dog right right now let's say she wanted a dog for christmas Mm -hmm. she could have had a dog if she would have allowed uh Grace to marry her dad. For sure. Now, the sea monkeys dying in Grace saying, if you take care of the sea monkeys, you might be able to get a dog. Now, those sea monkeys dying, I picture that as a kind of a glisten of that being Grady dying and her killing Grady. Oh, for sure. Initially. Yeah, essentially. So, like, I like Grady could have been her dog. Easily. But... Instead of so. taking care of a dog like she wants to, she decides to leave the door open, letting Grady out, ultimately killing the dog. You see the representation yep. of that through her uh, sea monkeys not making it through because she couldn't even take care of that. So, yeah, she did not take care of the dog. She did not take care of her sea monkeys. They both bite the dust. Yep, I agree. Uh, we get an image of Mary's painting before we cut to Grace lying down. Uh, she, uh, she, excuse me, I lost my spot for a second there. Uh, here it is. She hears her dad whispering to repent for her sins. She looks at the cross that is hung on the wall. She gets up and takes it down, placing it in the drawer. Startled by Mia bursting into her room, quietly telling her that she heard something. They go out of the room to investigate, Grace um, taking the flashlight out of Mia's hand. They slowly walk through the hall while Grace investigates investigates uh, what the light is shining on while wa- while walking they hear a loud bang behind them and the door then creaks open once again that red herring of us thinking that it's going to be a paranormal movie right mm-hmm. they decide to slowly go inside the room grace tells her that it is just the window with its uh, left slightly open what uh, when she goes to close it there are a ton of snow angels on the ground and she hears Aaron's voice, so uh, voice once again, telling her to repent. Damn, I fucking love this scene, dude. It's so creepy. It's crazy to think about it's it too, because they so were eerie. out there at one point making all of these snow angels. This is kind of funny. yeah. It's like damn. Like I, I like I'm very curious on <laughs> on when they had time to do this. Like, did she take a nap? <laughs> <laughs> like, when did they have time to do this? I mean, she was asleep on the ground, right? So, right? Because because um, Mia burst into the room. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. She wasn't asleep yet, or was she? I'm sure. I just said it, but like, I I kind of forgot. I'm fucking deadly tired. I think right when now. she was like cleaning but, up hey. and like taking her bath with like the tub of water that she heated up, that's probably when they did it. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, you might be right. She is lying down on the bed, uh, takes out the gun from the uh, from its lockbox and heads downstairs. Searching around the lodge, she hears her dad um, telling her to confess her sins and, the, and that God is waiting. Then the organ explodes with sound. 
uh, uh, gun still in hand as she walks back upstairs. Then the music stops when, uh, uh, when they open the door to the kids' room. Grace comes inside and Aiden is lying on the bed with that purple cloth covering his face. She removes the cloth and starts to cry when she realizes that his face is taped with the words sins on it. However, it is a dream and Aiden uh, starts calling for Grace and she is blankly staring at him in bed. Um, Mia and Aiden uh, try to snap her out of it, shaking her, but Grace reacts by hitting Mia in the face, causing her to bleed from her eyebrow and fall to the floor. Damn. Now, this kind of defeats our thought process of her not walking around at night and us thinking it was Aiden. Because she obviously yeah. does sleepwalk, though. But I think this is after her pills get taken away. Maybe. It is. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, it's just a day after. You're not going to have withdrawals that fast, right? I don't know, because this is a point where she's literally having very vivid episodes of her waking up in the snow. It's the first nightmare. And now this nightmare is the next episode of her not taking her pills. So, yeah, I don't know. What if she has psychosis, though? I mean, possibly. Right? Like, I mean, like. Like, I mean, she, she could be thinking like that certain things are there when they're not and also other shit. So and they're already messing with I her mean, head already. So it's like, right. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I know people who, t- who take medication and I've, I've seen them not take medication for like three or four days. And that's when shit starts hitting the fan. Right. After that. So mm. I don't know. Aiden tries to comfort her, and then Grace uh, snaps out of it and notices the gun in her hand. Grace is looking um, out at the frozen window again, and then uh, back at the clock that says January 9th again. She starts packing up a backpack with food and water. Aiden comes in the room asking, what is she doing? She tells him that uh, they are leaving and to go pack his things so they can go to the nearest town and Richard to... to call Richard to pick them up. Uh, Aiden tells, tells her that they can't leave, and Grace tells tells him that this is not up for discussion. He lets her know to look outside, and that's crazy, mentioning that they don't have... Uh, they don't even have their jackets. Grace tells him um, that she will go alone then, and he rebuttals, letting her know that she won't, be, she won't make it. She continues walking outside with a blanket while the two others are calling for Grace. Aiden tells her not to go while they uh, while they watch Grace get further and further away from the house. She is tr- uh, she is treading through the snow, trying to brave the winds, but is having a hard time doing so when the wind starts to pick up. Damn. Yeah, and you visually see the snow and how cold it is through the editing of this scene itself. Oh, you yeah. see the wind specifically. Oh, yeah. You feel like how she's like shivering in coldness. Uh, you see the ground and how deep the snow is, and then it cuts to her breathing, and you see like the the mist coming out of her mouth and stuff like that. So it's crazy to see. So the editing is pretty on point with delivering the fact that how cold it is out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she notices a strange-looking uh, house in the snow and starts walking towards it. Um, and I even put here the way that this movie is shot is just absolutely Beautiful. stunning. Like it's stunning. 
Aaron is standing in the uh, middle of the window, but we only but we can only make out his silhouette. Grace starts banging on the door and yelling if anyone is in there. No answer. She kneels down trying to get some water, but it is frozen solid. The window starts picking uh or the window starts picking and she uh, be uh, begins to cry before heading back out of their uh, on her on her journey initially uh while walking she stops the snow because she notices something and then begins to jog towards it she begins to cry walking towards her destination and she notices that the lodge is just slightly in the distance fuck crazy just one big circle fantastic Back at the steps of the house, she notices flowers buried in the snow. She starts uh, swiping the snow. She starts wiping the snow off, uh, revealing the photo of uh, revealing the photo and candles. Aiden comes outside and calls out to her. Grace is sitting um, upstairs on her bed, fidgeting with her hand on her knee. Aiden comes into her room with the picture in hand, asking her, "What is this?" It is a picture of both Mia and Aiden that says. Quote, in loving memory, mm. end quote, of it. Now, wow, wow, wow. Oh, man. This scene, like, you really, even re- just thinking about this retroactively now. Right. Fuck, I hate these kids, but they're genius. They're, yeah. They're geniuses. So smart. Like I guess it's like, first time watching it, you're oh, like, fuck. oh, are they dead? It's like... It's a big moment in this movie where it's like, it's a big reveal. Now, rewatching it a second time, I'm just like, these kids are sick. <laughs> these are terrible fucking human yeah. beings. But the first they're time watching it. They're fucking badass kids. Like I said, they're like the director of this movie because the first time watching it, I was like, oh, maybe they are dead. Maybe this is where the movie's really going now. So it's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, Grace tells him that uh, she doesn't know, but Aiden continues saying that they are stuck here and don't know what's going on, then asking, what does this picture mean? Grace dryly tells him that she doesn't know what uh, what the picture means, and he asks her, what if, what if they died? She tells him that they didn't die, and he is about to ask her for clarification, but she cuts him off, telling him that it doesn't make any sense. She continues giving him a reason about her sitting there talking to him, her feet being cold, and her being hungry. Aiden uh, reasons on death, possibly being just that. Grace starts to cry, and Aiden uh, shares that that they wouldn't wouldn't know if they died. The dollhouse is now showcasing someone who is hanged. And wow, what a context clue! Mm. Damn, how fucked up, man! Not yet, though. Soon. Very soon, soon. Yeah. hanging there. Aiden, uh, Aiden, yeah, right. Aiden's voice is distorted, telling Grace that they must confess their sins and cleanse their souls. These motherfuckers, man, they're smart. They are smart. They're assholes, but they're smart. Diabolical, for sure. Grace t- uh, takes out the large crucifix out of her drawer, placing it back on the wall. She stares at it for a moment and hears Aaron's voice asking her if she would like to pray and sh- uh, should they pray now. Uh, we are getting multiple imagery throughout the house, the door to the kids' room and the attic um, windows while the voice c- is continuing with, repent your sins and God's waiting. Damn. 
Grace is looking blankly out, uh, blankly to, uh, blankly out of the window, and the, the other house has silo, uh, has silhouette of Aaron, has a silhouette of Aaron inside, uh, going over what he told his parishioners, uh, to commit suicide. Grace is outside with just a sweater on, kneeling in the snow. Meanwhile, Mia and Aiden are in the kitchen praying. Grace comes inside and picks up a paper with the obituary on it, claiming that all three of them have died. It reads, died in Silver Pond, December 22nd, in a tragic, in a terrible tragedy triggered by a defective gas heater. Memorial service was held on Wednesday, January 9th. Damn. What? Grace asked them where did they get this from and they did the and and if they did this Aiden tells her that they must repent their sins. Um f- she tells him to stop and shut up and he continues trying to talk over her but she begins to start to yell and scream uh, for him to stop while shoving him around. He leaves out of the room telling her that he will prove it to her. Grace stays behind to gather her composure. She throws the obituary into the flame and Mia starts yelling for Grace to come uh, um, come where they are. Grace immediately runs upstairs to her aide and notices Aiden hanging back and forth in the attic. Damn. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, fuck, yo, (laughs) yo, this is wild. Absolutely in awe by the sight of this, but then he moves his head to look at her. Her face completely shocked at this point. Aiden asks her if if she sees it now and that they can't die because they are already dead (laughs) and that they are caught in purgatory. In my notes, I was like, this little shit hangs himself. What the fuck? Because this is obviously Bro. my second time watching it, I know. Uh, but the first time watching yeah. this scene, it was bonkers. I was like, what is going on in this movie? I have no idea. It's like, this dude really hung himself and he's still alive. Because I believed it. Right? God damn it. They're so convincing. That they are. Uh, continuing that they must confess their sins and cleanse their souls in order to get into heaven. And I even put here that I was like, yeah, this is a fucked up prank. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, what are you trying, like, what are you trying to prove here? You know, like, I don't understand what, what the concept is that you're trying to even approve to, I guess, like, I don't know. I think I just want to know, like, I know, what is the, what is the point? I know what their end game is. I think maybe is that they just want to drive her crazy enough when their dad comes back. He's not going to like want to be with her anymore to show that okay. she's still crazy. She's still part of this cult that wants to repent and get her back to that level again to say like, she's not healed. She's not passed from her previous stuff and have okay. that be like the determining factor of like, see, you, you can't be with her. She is crazy. Like everyone said, I think that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I just don't understand what the, I don't know. I this is just a fucked up prank. Oh, for sure. And and granted, it, it worked. Whatever they did, it fucking worked too well. Little dicks. He yells for her to confess and repent her sins. Grace goes back downstairs and starts to whisper prayers in front of the pa- uh, painting of uh, Mary, uh, crying for her help. Aaron's voice is continuing um, over, asking if she would like to pray and to repent her sins. She yells. Why did you leave me? 
throwing the painting down on the ground and storming out of the room. Do you think she is talking about her dad? I think she's talking uh, about her religion. I think it's about the religion itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like it's about the religion. In the attic, we notice that a harness and a speaker with our father's message of repentance is playing. Little shits, man. Grace is outside walking around in circles on her knees in the snow, whispering for the Lord to help her and asking for forgiveness. Aiden and Mia are watching from outside from outside into the room and they notice that Grace is walking towards the house with a dead Grady no. in their in her hands. Mia starts to cry and call out to the dog. Well, Aiden tr- uh, tells her not to, uh, but she runs off. Um uh while Aiden gives off a fuck before heading outside because he's like fuck because he knows at this point all right we fucked up we went too far oh 100 officially oh yeah yep and it and i even put here that like this is my second time watching this around and, and it's really hard for me to feel bad for these kids uh grace is outside petting uh, petting the frozen dog while mia comes up behind her crying and i love i love the fact that grace isn't even shedding a tear she's just stonewalled like yeah, it broke her. death is now officially a purpose right again. She sobs telling grace that it is her fault and she left the door open and apologizes for her actions. Grace isn't saying a word and Mia starts to plead from her for her to come inside because it is too cold. Aiden and Mia are sitting in, in on their bed and he mentions that he doesn't know what to do. Mia tells him that she is going to freeze to death and tell and tells her that and he tells her that he knows, sighing, uh, saying that they have to convince her to come inside and they have to stop this. They head downstairs in the basement and gather all of their things from a hiding spot uh, down there. And I'm just like, damn, this elaborate ass plan. Right. Mia asked if if he. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, it's kind of funny in my notes. I was like, they finally say that they have to stop this. And I put here in my notes, little too late, assholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mia asks if, if he's if Mia asks if he sees her pills and they grab all of their stuff, and then head back outside, covering Grace with a coat. Mia and Aiden tell her to come inside and mention that it is too cold outside. Aiden tells her that they were just pretending and that they didn't die and that he actually didn't hang hang himself, reiterating that none of this is real. He then asks her if they can go just if they can just go inside. Grace blankly tells him that they are all sinners on earth. Quiet for a moment, she continues, quote, and may the Lord forgive us so we can so we can be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven, end quote. Aiden looks up at Mia and Grace goes over the Our Father. Back inside, Aiden and Mia are t- are trying to turn on the generator, but it isn't coming back on. Frustrated, he tells Mia that, he, uh, that his phone charger is out and they need power, then asks for Mia's phone. She tells him that um, hers is dead too and apologizes for being on the phone with her dad too much. Hmm. Yo. Damn. Damn. How long do you think they were stuck in there? It had to have been like two or three days, right? Right. I mean, the dad's supposed to come back, what, like three days, four days? Yeah, it, she said a couple of days, so. Right. I don't know. But he left on the 22nd. So, so you'd have to be know. back by the 24th or 25th. So it might be just like yeah, two, three that days. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Grace is still outside holding Grady while Mia and Aiden are whispering in the house about slipping in, slipping her another sleeping pill. They hear chatter, uh, chattering and the door closing downstairs. They grab their flashlights and head downstairs. Grace is in the living room kneeling on two fiery logs until she can't take it any longer. Bro. Crazy. Got the whole punishment shit down and everything. Um, Brutal. Mia runs away from the gruesome self-mutilation and Aiden follows her. Grace gets up on gets up and kneels on the logs again, crying while repenting for the uh, for the harm that she, uh, she brought this to this family, for the lies she told, her desires, fornication and impurity. The kids are upstairs while Grace is downstairs screaming from the sheer pain and Aiden tries to comfort Mia through it all. We cut to the dollhouse showcasing their entire plan and Richard looking at the dollhouse. He rushes out of the house and is uh, on Grace's voicemail telling her that he called but wasn't able to get an answer yesterday and that he is on his way there and to call him when she gets this message. Fuck. So good. I'm very curious as to how he put pieced everything together from that. Like he just like saw that and was just like, yo, my kids are going to kill my girlfriend. Like, <laughs> I don't think that extreme, but it's like, Oh, that's a really weird thing to find in the dollhouse. And it's like, you know what? I haven't heard from her specifically for a while. Something is up. Right. Yeah. And that's what, that's how I picture it as, yeah. as well, where it's just like, he sees the the dolls kind of displayed the way they're displayed and he's just thinking like you know what now that i think about it i've heard from my daughter a lot but i haven't heard from grace at all right he knows that they were planning besides that last voicemail yeah yeah damn only if he would have known his kids a little bit better i guess he hops in his car and starts his trek towards the cabin. Aiden is uh, woken up by Mia walking towards the stairs. I love how he's on the phone with someone as well, actually, really quick. Um, kind of sh- sh- showcasing us how long it takes to even get there. Oh, for sure. he said six hours. So, damn. He... Uh, Aiden is woken up by Mia walking towards the stairs. He calls out to her and she tells him that she has to go to the bathroom. He tells her just to go in the corner and that she can't go down there right now, but she ignores him and slowly starts making her way down the stairs. She opens the, she opens and closes the door behind her, dolling in and goes inside the bathroom. Meanwhile, Richard is almost there getting the, getting the road cleared by a snowplower. Mia is listening at the door to make sure it is safe for her to come out of the bathroom. She doesn't hear anything and slowly opens the door, walking back towards the attic door. Grace comes up behind her through the shadows and calls out to her. Mia runs, screaming, dropping her doll back up, dropping her doll and runs back upstairs into the attic. She hides behind Aiden in the corner while she ascends the stairs towards and while uh, Grace ascends the stairs towards the children. Grace tells her that she doesn't have to be afraid anymore and that it is okay. Mia is crying while Grace tells her that uh, they have nothing to be scared of because death is already behind them. Aiden shudders that they are not dead and that they are they were pretending. Mia blurts out that they did it for their mom. Damn, that's so crazy! And what a shot too! It's beautifully done when she walks up the stairs. It's framed at the POV of like the kids, ominous, and it's like so centered perfectly well. You just see her backside slowly coming up, rising, and then turning towards them. It's great use of tension. It's so well done. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you get the reveal of her getting closer, like her face is all like messed up, mangled from yeah. the frostbite and all that stuff. Like it's fucked, man. And her hands are like blue, yeah. blackish blue. Like, damn, dude. She's full on crazy now. Mm hmm. Grace ignores their cries and continues. Christ suffered in the flesh. She tells Mia that she needs to burn the doll and free herself from idols. Mia is sobbing while telling her no. Aiden shushes her, and but Grace starts to burn the doll. Mia immediately crawls over to it. Uh, um, excuse me. Mia immediately crawls over, uh, smacking it out of her hand. Aiden uh, pushes her back. And uh, puts out the flame, then heads back to try to protect his sister again. While cocking the gun back, Grace tells them that they need to trust her. The kids are telling her to stop and don't. Then uh, their dad starts honking the horn outside the house. He gets out of the car and comes into the house calling for Grace. He notices the dead dog on on the dog bed. Mm. Richard starts running up the stairs, calling for Grace and Aiden, then stops when he sees Grace. Face all frostbitten and gun in hand. She calls, she calls his name and he tries to calmly greet her. She tells her, she tells him that God is punishing them for what they did. He slowly is approaching her and she takes the gun, putting it to her head. She is telling him that she doesn't understand. Excuse me. She is telling him that he doesn't understand and he tells her that, uh, he tells her to look at him. Then she tells him, that she is already dead. Richard um, lets her know that she is not dead and that this is not purg- that there is no purgatory. She lets him know or she tells him that she will show him. Damn. Oh fuck. And Grace places the gun to her head and pulls the trigger, causing everyone to shudder and jump from fear from what they might witness, but nothing comes out of the gun. Now, do you think this is intentional? Uh, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, so this is a really good scene because seeing the blank bullet, it, it's it's one of those things like maybe the whole entire gun was not fully loaded. Um, I don't, Yeah, I don't know. But it's such a powerful yeah, scene no, because you're like, damn, that's really intense. And she survived. And I think you're pretty spot on that maybe he cheated on his wife with her because she even says we're being punished for what we did. And maybe she feels right. somewhat responsible of like everything that's happened that she must repent for her sins. And that's why she's in purgatory herself and starts reflecting off that yeah. too. But yeah, the whole thing where she puts Absolutely. the gun to her head, man, the first time I watched that, I was like, what? No. And then it didn't happen. I was like, wait, what the hell? It's, it's such a good reveal. Fucking brutal. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it, it's brutal. Cause it's just like, you're, you're expecting it. Oh, for sure. Like you, like it, it, like you're expecting her to just like completely off herself at this point in time. And we were totally groomed for it too. This entire movie, we saw what happened in the beginning yeah. of the movie. It was like, yeah, this this will happen in this movie, like without a doubt. Right, right. Grace starts to cry, saying that she told him. He moves closer to her and whispers for her to give him the gun. He slowly touches her hands, and she cries that um, he's not listening, and fires the gun, shooting Richard in the head killing him immediately. Aiden and Mia scream and run to him, constantly calling for him. Confused, Grace calls for him while Aiden is telling Mia to come on so they can get out of there. They uh, run out of the house. 
um, to, to the car. Grace sits on the st- on the step calling for Richard and receiving no answer. While she while we can hear the car starting outside, uh while we can hear the car starting outside. Grace gets up and walks outside, gun still in hand, and Mia yelling that she is uh coming while uh, while calling for Aiden. Grace is walking t- uh closer towards the car, but the tires are spinning from them being stuck in the snow. Cut to the ho- cut into the house where Richard's body once was. Grace is sitting at the table praying while Aiden, Mia, and a dead Richard are sitting at the dinner table. Jeez. Grace begins to sing while Aiden and Mia sit and watch her crying, but without choice, they start to hesitantly sing with her. And I even put here, I bet y'all realize that this was a stupid joke now, huh? <laughs> We get a glimpse of the hole in the in the back of Richard's head while they all sing their biblical song. Grace puts duct tape on their mouths while they begin to sob. On uh, one last glance at the gun on the table, then credits. Damn. Woo-wee. This movie. I mean, this movie's a ride, dude. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> it is. It, it is. is it, sure it is brutal. It's it, it's definitely a ride. They know how to be brutal where they need where they need to be. Um, so I think that's actually pretty pretty well done. Um, oh, oh, it's it's just fucking. It's a fucking beautiful movie. I'm pretty sure it's beautiful. The first time watching this movie, I think I was texting you either that same night or the next day of how I felt what the ending should have been because I feel like there mm-hmm. could have been a uh, a little bit of a darker ending, but maybe a little bit more impactful. And that's her killing the kids in the car with the gun. I feel like if she did that, I mean, the movie would have gone there and it would have been just like Mm -hmm. her there by herself thinking she's stuck in purgatory, repenting for her sins and then credits. I think that would have a bigger impact. But at the same time, I'm happy they didn't go that dark, even though we can guess what happens next with the kids. Right. Of probably not making out. They they probably, they probably went semi dark, I guess with that. Right. But I was like, damn, overall, very dark movie could have been darker, which I'm glad they didn't. But at the same time, I feel like they could have had that impact. It's like, damn, this is like the mist type of ending. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although the mist went there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I got some movie facts for us here. Movie facts. I got some short ones, actually, so nice. it's not that many. So we're probably just going to blaze through these. Uh, cult leader Aaron Marshall, father of Grace Marshall, is played by actress Riley uh, Riley Keough's real-life father, yep. Danny Keough. Pretty cool. Uh, Riley Keough does not appear in the film until the 21-minute 21, 21 mark. Hmm. All right. Uh, the quote from Grace's past is clearly based on Heaven's Gate, of which 39 members also committed mass suicide in a communal house with shrouds covering their upper bodies. Damn. Makes sense. Scary. Um, oh, and here we go. Except for Grace, whose name has religious connotations, um, every every main character is named either exactly like or very similar to the actress playing them. Richard is played by Richard, Aiden is played by Jaden, and Mia is played by Leah. Nice. So, uh, despite top billing as part of the cast, Alicia Silverstone only has six to seven minutes of screen time in this movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Damn. Well, let us know, everybody, what you thought about The Lodge over on Twitter at 
good nightlife because I, I deeply want to keep this conversation going. That was literally all the facts that they had on this movie. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess hey, um, let us know what you think about this movie. I know one more. Um, just because you I saw one? the director's interview after I saw this movie too, the director's kind of treated. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I forgot what her name is. The actress that played Grace. Riley Keough. Riley. Yeah. So they kind of treated her kind of bad. She wanted like them to like make her feel as cold as possible. So they gave her like poor conditions of like not wearing a sweater, actually being out in the cold, taking the heater off in the, the house itself. Uh, of course, not when the kids mm-hmm. were in the roles, but when she was inside the house, they'd cut the heater off and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. Crazy. I mean, it's all about that method acting, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I know like some people, some some actors are very, very into the whole methodology behind acting to really uh, immerse them into the role, which I can assume can be quite taxing on your mental state. Oh, I'm sure. I would assume you definitely need some uh, some counseling after that or some shit, right? Like, I mean, you t- got to take care of yourself, but mm-hmm. hey. You know, it is, it is what it is. It, she did a fantastic job. So either way, it was fucking rad. Yes. She killed it. Um, but the next movie that we will be covering, everybody, is going to be <gasps> Mike Flanagan's Gerald's Game. I'm very excited to check this movie out again. Oh, I've only seen it once, and I'm very excited to watch it the second time around. Uh, fuck, man. Never seen it. This is going to be our second Mike Flanagan film, too. So I'm very excited Hell for yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. You've never seen it. So. This is going to be a fun little one for you, too. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And alongside me, we have Freddy. Spoopy Boys out. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with the what? By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free, and it's early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody... Don't forget your nightlight.